0: You are listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry, or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Good morning. If you have a Bible, turn to James, chapter 1. We'll be in verses 19 through 25. Uh, If you are new, you're visiting, Uh, if you're watching online for maybe the first time, welcome. My name is Jamin. I'm one of the pastors here Uh, If you are here and you call Citizens Church your home, uh, it's very good to see you. I was at my parents' house over Christmas. They live in San Angelo, which is in uh, West Texas, like five hours west of here. And uh, they have a closet at their house, and that closet is full of mostly uh, my things, my stuff. And so it's stuff from my my childhood. And uh, they asked me uh, to go through that closet and asked me if I wanted to take any of it home. Uh, And I was like, why can't I just leave it here? You know, (laughs) don't y'all want to keep these memories of me? And uh, they just smiled and said, we really need the space. So um, I went through it. And one of the things that I got was uh, this big collage, this big poster board with a collage of pictures on it. And it was uh, from my senior year uh, of high school. And uh, so it was graduation pictures and uh, pictures of me playing football Pictures of me on the sideline uh, and, then, and, then, and then other pictures of me on the sideline from a different angle just to like capture the whole experience of, of not playing. Um, and then th- there was a picture of me and, um, and one of my close friends and uh, he's a guy who means a whole lot to me. Uh, we were both 18 at the time. He's one of the only uh, friends that I keep in touch with from that time of life and um, uh, we looked so young. And, uh, and so I took a picture of it and I took a picture of the picture, which, cause that's what we do. And I texted to him and he's married now. He loves Jesus. Uh, he has two kids. He owns his own business. And I text him at and, and the picture and, and I sent something like, remember back when we knew everything, right? And he responded and uh, he said, if you could go back and say anything to those guys, what would you say? If you could go back and you could say anything to your 18 year old self, what would you say? It's a powerful question. A lot has happened since we took that picture almost 20 years ago. There's a lot of wisdom that has been needed, uh, that we haven't had. And so if you could somehow cheat the system and go back almost 20 years and say anything to yourself, what would it be? And my first thought was buy Amazon stock, just buy lots of (laughs) enjoy blockbuster while you still can right? something like that. I wonder if you're old enough to think like this. If you could go back twenty years and say anything, Um, so I sent four or five things. I thought about it and and, uh, was reflective, and I sent a few things and things like be faith. No matter what, just be faithful to Jesus. Um, uh, Care less about pleasing people. Take prayer seriously. Like learn learn how to learn how to talk to God about like the deep things of your heart and do it every day. And here's the thing, thinking through the things that I said that I would say to myself 20 years ago, this really struck me. Most of what I would say are things that at 18, I had already heard. I was a church kid, grew up in church, pastor's kid, DC talk, all that, right? (laughs) So I'd heard a lot of these things before. Almost everything I would say are things I knew at 18 that I either didn't believe or didn't take seriously. Um, There are times in my life that I can look, that I can genuinely look back on and say, I wish someone would have told me. There are more times in my life I look back on and say, I wish I would have listened. There's this thing that I've come to realize, my friends, so much of following Jesus is not about discovering new things, but learning to live according to what I already know. Like, I think that's what I I would say to Jamin at 18, like, dude, you think your greatest need is more knowledge or more talent or more skill, but my friend, be faithful in what you already know. If we're honest, that is so much of the Christian life, right? That's, That's so much of what happens on a Sunday morning. Like, so much of what has been sung, so much of what I'll say in a room like this, you've already heard. Uh, My daughter a year ago, uh, a year ago or so was riding home with me from church and she sat in service that morning and I just said, Hey, you know, what did you think? And she said, Dad, I don't know if you know this, but you say the same thing every Sunday. (laughs) And I was like, oh, none taken, right? Um, I do know that. I do know that. And when it sounds like I'm saying something new, it's usually just new words for an old truth, right? And what's hard about that is we live in a culture that is uh, obsessed is over new, and obsesses over what's novel and shrugs at what's what's old or or easily dismisses or gets bored with what's old. And so it's easy to believe as Christians, my life with Jesus will move on new information. It'll move on new realizations. And it's just not true. Growth in Jesus is less about new truths fresh on my mind and more about old truths deeper in my heart. And this passage in James is that kind of passage. It captures that kind of message. It's simple. It shares a lot that a lot of us have heard before, but it's at the very heart of what it means as a Christian on this side of salvation. It's so much of what it means to follow Jesus. And here are my two points from this passage this morning. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. Haven't you heard that before? Quick to listen to God, faithful to obey what he says. So many of us have heard that. Many of us know it. The question that God has for us this morning is, are we living by it? Has it changed us? Look at verse 19. Listen. James says, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Pause with me for just a second. Thirteen times in James. James. He says this phrase, he talks to the people he's writing to, and he calls them brothers and sisters. It's special because if you remember, James is the little brother of Jesus, the biological little brother of Jesus. He did not believe in Jesus for most of Jesus' ministry. He doubted Jesus until he saw his resurrected brother who appeared to him, and it changed his life. And so when James writes and calls us his brothers and sisters, what he's saying is all who love and follow his resurrected brother are as much of a brother and sister to Jesus as he is. Why that's important is so much of James is really sharp. A lot of this that we get into is kind of heavy. Somebody called James a beautifully crafted punch in the gut. It's very black and white in that way. But it's not written out of anger or frustration. God did not bring us here to beat us up this morning. He brought us here to put us back together. And James is writing as a pastor to people who he loves who are loved by Jesus. And he calls us brothers and sisters. Let every person... Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The Christian life is a life of listening, hearing from God. Um, If you are a Christian, it's because you heard. It's because at some point in your life you listened. If you think back on your testimony, maybe you became a Christian young and you heard mom and dad. Uh, or a Sunday school teacher, if you became a Christian as a teenager or a college kid, maybe it was a a roommate or you heard at some sort of college service, maybe you were an adult and it was a neighbor or a coworker or a spouse. If you think back on your testimony, at some point your testimony begins with, I listened to the good news that Jesus died, rose again, and offers forgiveness to sins. And that posture of listening is not a one-time Christian posture, it's an all-of-life Christian posture. Be quick to hear what he didn't say in 21. He talks about receiving the implanted word of God. What it means is be quick to hear everything. God says everything God's spoken for God to have my heart. He has to have my ears for God to have your heart. He has to have your ears. James is a pastor, he knows people, he's been around people, he is a person, and so he says be quick to hear, but he doesn't just say, so grab your Bible and read, he helps us. He pastors us, he says, hey, there's two things, if you're going to be a Christian that listens, if you're going to live a life of listening to God, you're going to have to face these two things in order to regularly hear from God, because there's two things that hinder listening to God, two things that make us slow to hear, quick speech and fast anger. Quick speech and fast anger. We'll talk about each of them. He says, be slow to speak. If you remember our wisdom series, Proverbs talks about it this way. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. Ecclesiastes 10, 12 through 14. The words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words from his mouth is folly, but the end of his speaking is evil madness. The fool... Multiplies words. James talks about speech a lot, so we'll get this a lot from him, but there's a relationship between quick speech and a prideful heart. Uh, Quick, careless words are a symptom of pride. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, when it talks about the fool, the fool is just pride personified. And, and the, the proud, the fool, they speak impulsively and they speak a lot. They just multiply words and talk and talk and talk. What is the person who speaks quickly and speaks often? What do they believe about themselves? You know the experience of, of, of this, right? Like, um, you know the person that in small group, they dominate the discussion time and they're quick to speak and then they multiply words and, and you get to the end of the time and no one else has had a chance to talk? If you don't know that person... You probably are that person. (laughs) Quick speech reveals something about the heart. Like the person who just is always quick to talk and then talks and talks and talks and talks. What they believe about themselves is they believe, I have something to say. I need to be heard. I'm interesting. I've got a lot of answers. You need to listen. And what does that sound like? It's pride. We've talked about this before, but one of the things that fools do is fools assume the posture of teacher, even when they're not invited. The person who believes I have something to say, I need to be heard, I'm interesting, I've got a lot of answers, you need to listen. They will be slow to listen to God because something in them believes I already know everything I need to hear. And that's a dangerous thing to believe. Goodness, (laughs) I can be this person. Um, I have said so many things that I wish I would not have said. Anybody else? Uh, Have you ever wanted words back? Have you ever been careless with words, impulse? Have you ever just said a lot of empty words? Like you walk away and you're like, I didn't even care what I was saying. There's no way they wanted to hear everything I had to say, right? I think about these times when I was quick to speak, when I've been quick to speak. It's almost always because I had my ears. I was listening to me. I was trying to use words to promote myself or defend myself, or use words to try to heal something about myself. Would you hear something? Um, There's a quiet version of this, too. Um, Some of us are more introverted, and so we're almost never quick to speak. And so you hear, be slow to speak, and it's like, oh, I got got that. Um, Quiet is not the same as listening. Like, I cannot speak, but my head my thoughts can still be full of myself. Some people speak super quickly because they're super proud. Some people stay quiet because they're super insecure. Either way, it means my ears are full of thoughts of me. Listening to my insecurity and listening to my pride are both forms of listening to self instead of God. Quick to hear means I give my ears to God. I give my ears to God. I want to hear what he says. And when God has your ears, you know what it's going to do to your speech? It'll slow it down Uh, because then your speech is in response to God speaking. I, I want all of my words to be held to the standard of his word. And so then I begin to filter my speech through his words. And I begin to ask questions before I speak, like, is what I'm about to say directing attention towards me or towards God? Are these words helpful or are they hurtful? Something needs to be said, but am, am I the one that needs to say it? Do I know all that I need to know to be able to speak faithfully about this? And that applies to conversations at home and at work and with friends and with kids and with a spouse. How much better would we be at loving the people of our life if before we spoke we simply paused long enough to say, is this going to help them or hurt them? And if I'm letting God inform all of that, it's going to slow my speech down. And it's going to, if I'm letting God inform all that, it's going to filter out a lot of things that are just not worth saying. Uh, have you ever noticed this about people who are wise and mature and godly? Um, they tend to speak less, not more. Uh, you would think that the wiser you are, the more you talk, because the more people need to hear from you, right? Proverbs opens up in chapter 1, verse 5, and it says, Let the wise listen. <laughs> and increase in learning let the they're already wise and yet that wisdom does not increase speaking their wisdom increases listening tim keller didn't write his first book until he was 60 years old because he wanted to be sure he had something worth saying he was quick to listen and slow to write Quick speech is a symptom of pride. Proud people don't listen. Slow speech makes space for God's voice so that we only speak after we have heard from God. To be quick to hear, we have to wait on words and, and give our ears to God. Slow to anger. So quick speech keeps us from listening. Fast anger keeps us from listening. Uh, James is talking about a certain kind of anger. He, he uh, creates a category for us that is helpful. Not all anger is sin. James says the anger of man, that's a category of sinful anger, does not produce the righteousness of God. Uh, Jesus never sinned. Jesus was angry. Uh, In Mark 10, Jesus is angry with his disciples for keeping the children away from him. Jesus gets angry with the Pharisees for their hardness of heart. In John 11, when Lazarus dies, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. That word wept is actually indignation. He was angry at death because death is not good. Paul says in Ephesians 4, be angry and do not sin. Not all anger is sin. What James is saying is there is a kind of sin. The anger of man is sinful anger. And it's, it's when you are controlled by impulsive anger. Proverbs describes it this way. Proverbs 15:18, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 14, 29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty spirit exalts folly. Ecclesiastes 7, 9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry. Listen to this, for anger lodges. It lives in the heart of fools. And it's describing what happens when anger is in control. There's a great quote. I've used before by a guy named Matthew Henry. He's a theologian and author. He says this, Anger is like fire. It's a helpful servant, but a terrible master. It's good on the hearth, but bad in the hangings. A hearth is a fi- Matthew, he lived a long time ago. A hearth is a fireplace. Hangings are the ceiling. Um, meaning fire in the fireplace is a different experience than fire in the attic. One is controlled, the other's in control. Anger is like that. So so there's a kind of slow anger that's controlled and righteous, and it's like fire in a fireplace. Then there's a kind of explosive anger, impulsive anger, and it's out of control. It's like fire in the attic. When there's fire in the attic, everything burns. What's the difference between controlled versus out of control? Controlled anger trusts God. Like the anger we see in Jesus, the anger that sees injustice, sees people hurting, sees people blaspheming God. Those are all things that are worth being angry about, but it doesn't explode. It's a kind of anger that says, my anger doesn't have to be in control because my God is in control. Fast anger, hot tempered anger. It's when in response to what I can't control, I try to be God. And I use my anger to try to gain control back. Like, I'm God. And when I use anger to try and be God, things get burned. This can look a few different ways. This might feel tangential, but I think it's, it's important because it helps us see us. There's different ways that anger can come out of our life. Um, it can be explosive, yelling, threatening, being imposing. A few months ago, our family watched a movie that we love. We'd seen before. It's uh, Inside Out. You know the movie? It's the movie about emotions. It's so good. It's like free counseling. As long as you believe all your problems, find their answer in Jesus. (laughs) If not, the movie will just mess you up with with nowhere to go. Um, The emotion, anger, remember the little red guy in the movie? Uh, There's a scene when the little girl is fighting with her dad and uh, anger takes over the control board, pushes joy out of the way, takes over the control board and turns anger all the way up. And as he turns anger all the way up, fire shoots out of his head. You remember that? Some of us know that kind of anger. It screams and demands to take over, Um, and when it's a child, it's different. But when it's an adult, it's not cute or comical. It's hurtful. Uh, It's quick to speak the kinds of things you can't unsay. And there's that kind of anger, explosive anger, fire from the head kind of anger. There's also the kind of anger that's just always underneath the surface, um, it's less this explosive fire from my head moment of anger, and it's more these like small sparks, like a, like the sparks that shoot out of a fireplace onto places they don't need to be, and, and the people around me experience it as you know I'm easily irritated, easily offended, the fuse is really short. Um, this, if I can just be candid, this is the kind of fast anger that I struggle with, not explosive, not loud but it is quick and ungodly. And this is the way my kids have learned to talk about it when they experience it in me is they'll say things like, dad seems stressed. And what I hear in that is I feel out of control and I'm responding to that with a kind of anger that makes me chippy and short and irritable and unsafe and they feel responsible for that in a way and it's not good. It's the thing I have to apologize to my family most for. There's also a kind of anger that goes Quiet. There is slow to hear, quick to speak, quick to anger. Hear this. There's also for some slow to hear, slow to speak, quick to anger. Um, When someone is not listening, but they're also not talking, and they use quiet to make their anger felt. And so you don't experience their anger through their words, you experience their anger through their silence. Too many words can ruin a relationship, but without words, there is no relationship. And the kind of anger that gives the silent treatment is a way to silently threaten I'm in control. And in my silent anger, I'm trying to give you a taste of what life would be like if I left. It's like if the fire was in the walls, you don't see the flames, but you do feel the heat. See something. This kind of anger is us trying to be God. However it comes out of my life, however it comes out of your life, it's our attempt to try to control things when they feel like they're out of our control. What we want, guys, is we want anger to only explain our experience. That's why we say things like, that made me angry, you made me angry, they made me angry. The Bible says anger lodges in the heart of fools. Anger doesn't just explain our experience, anger exposes our heart. Anger is coming out of me and it tells me something needs to change, not around me. Anger is coming out of me and it tells me something needs to change within me. And God wants to deal with, you know why James writes about it here? God wants to deal with it. You know why? Because when I am quick to anger, I'm slow to listen and I need to hear God. When my heart is hot with anger, my ears are closed to God. And James ties all this together in verse 21. He says this, therefore, put away all filthiness in rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Meekness, that word means gentle. It describes someone who's humble. You know who describes himself as meek? Jesus in Matthew 11 says, Come all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light for I am meek and humble in heart. It's the same word. So he's saying, um, be quick to listen and being quick to listen is about having a humble heart, a meek heart, quick speech, fast anger. That's a proud heart and pride stops up our ears. So he's saying we have to lower ourselves under God's voice. I don't know all that there is to say. I need to hear from God. My anger can't fix all I want to fix. I need to listen to God. I need to hear with a humble heart. Listen. But don't just listen. Listen and obey. Look at verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he who looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So he says, hear with a humble heart, but don't just hear. Be a doer of the word of God. Listen and obey. And he helps us with an image. Um, My Sunday morning alarm goes off at 6 a.m. And I'm the only one up. And I get ready in the front of the house so that I don't wake up anyone else. The first thing I do is I make a cup of coffee and just pray that somewhere in all the caffeine there's a sermon in there. And then I I go and I get ready. And at some point in getting ready, I uh, look in the mirror, and here's what's true: uh, what you see right now is different than what I saw at 6 a.m. this morning. Uh, when I looked in the mirror at 6 a.m. this morning, I was wearing an, an old Dallas Mavs T-shirt and a pair of shorts and some uh, house shoes that Carrie got me for Christmas. There was this happens every morning, not just Sunday morning, but there's this patch of hair sticking up right here, and I had like sleep lines on my face. and And look, at 6 a.m., what I saw in my reflection was not somebody ready to stand in front of a a room full of people and and garner respect. I'm not saying that what's in front of you right now is that much different, but (laughs) but, uh, I I am saying I changed in response to what I saw. If if I had ignored that reflection, that 6 a.m. reflection, it would just be distracting. James uses the image of a mirror to warn us about something that can happen. It's a superficial illustration. He's not talking about physical appearance. It's a superficial illustration to make a spiritual point. We can hear and not be changed. Uh, Sam Alberry, he has a commentary on James. I've been reading and quoting him a lot. He says it like this, God's word is to have the same kind of effect on us as a mirror. We're supposed to act on what it shows us right away. Like a mirror, God's word shows us what we are really like. Not in a superficial outward appearance kind of way, but it shows us the parts of us that we actually can't see in a mirror. So if we take like, if we take the verses that we were just in, uh, God says, be slow to speak. That's in his word. And what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to see his word like a mirror and see the parts of our lives where we are slow to speak or, or parts of our life where we're not slow to speak and then change and then obey, not just hear. Please don't miss this goodness. He's saying it's possible to hear God's word and read God's word And be in Christian community filled with God's word. And nothing ever happened beyond hearing. Like someone who sees their reflection over and over and over again and never changes. They continue to go back to the mirror exactly the same as they were the last time they looked. Let me say it this way. First, let me say this. The best people I know, the absolute best people I know are Christians. The most human, loving, compassionate Faithful, brave people I know are Christians. And some of the most unChrist-like people I have ever known have been in church their whole life, have read hundreds of verses about loving people and are still an unloving person, have heard hundreds of sermons about forgiveness and their heart is filled with bitterness, have memorized scriptures, have memorized scriptures, about worshiping God, and their life is a living sacrifice to all their idols. They have come to the mirror, and come to the mirror, and come to the mirror, and their reflection has never changed. How does that happen? How does that happen? James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. How does it happen? He says, deceiving yourself. Self-deception is what happens. Um, What keeps us looking, but never changing. What keeps us hearing but never doing, what keeps us listening but never obeying are the lies that we tell ourselves, the lies that we listen to. It's a self-deception, and then we obey the lie instead of obeying God. Uh, What might that sound like? Um, This is more than just church. This This is more than just about Sunday morning, obviously. This is about hearing from God in all of life, Monday through Saturday. But if we just use this space as an example, when, when you come in here, uh, we preach God's word here. We don't preach our opinions. We, we preach the Bible. And I'm sure there are things most Sundays that I could say clearer or, or do better. But, but when you come here, we're preaching the Bible, which means God is speaking to us through his word. So in a space like this, what could keep us from he, what, would, what could keep us hearing but not obeying? What do those lies sound like? Let me name two. Other people really need to hear this. We hear from God. And in hearing from God, like we are in a space like this, we first think, or we only think, other people need to hear what I'm hearing. And it's the lie that says my need for these words is less than someone else's. And look, I get it. Some of that is just concern for people in our lives that we love, that we want to hear the word of God. It's good to want people to hear that. But if it's only that, if it's always that, We, we talked about anger a few minutes ago. Who did you think about? Uh, Whose anger bothered you most when we talked about that? Was it someone else's? Was there any part of you that thought, Oh God's speaking to me about me. Um, one other person owned our house before we bought it. Uh, He moved out in 2017. His name is Cliff. Uh, we moved in in 2018. Uh, about once a month, or maybe even more than that, we'll get his mail still. Uh, we'll get an envelope with his name on it, and we don't open it. Um, sometimes we get so much of his mail, we'll have a stack of mail that's for him unopened on our counter. Uh, sometimes we also get mail that isn't addressed to us specifically. It's just, it just says current resident which is, which is another word for, like, advertisement or something like that, right? It's vague, and so we usually don't open that. We just throw that away. Um, the mail that we open is the mail that has our name on it. That's for us. That's addressed to us. The heart that is changed by the word of God is the heart that hears every word and believes this word is addressed to me. It has my name on it. This is for me. And some people have stacks of unopened words from God because they believed about them that they were for someone else. And what is left unopened is left unobeyed because we will not obey what we don't think is for us. Let me offer a really important posture to have anytime you hear the word of God. In here, with your Bible open, anytime you hear the word of God, the posture is, I need to hear this. I need, to, this is for me. This has my name on it. I'm going to open it and I'm going to obey it. Here's another lie that keeps us hearing, but not obeying. I'll do it later. <laughs> and I don't know that we say that out loud, but, um, but obedience for us is always tomorrow's plan, right? It's something that we think is future. Uh, And and I think much of our failure to be doers of the word is not about outright disobedience. Like uh, God says, I want you to do this. And we cross our arms and we say, no, there is that. But I think a lot of it is more like I read this verse. I hear this message. I think, yes, I want to obey God. And then we just get busy, get distracted. Uh, Jesus talks about the seed that goes on different soils. And one of the soils is the thorns. It falls among the thorns. And what happens, the seed that falls among the thorns, it starts to grow. And then the worries of this age choke it out. And that's particularly challenging right now. I read an article this week that was fascinating. It said uh, something's happening in our culture. Uh, The art industry is dying and the entertainment industry is dying, they're shrinking. And we are entering into a post-entertainment culture where culture is no longer about the arts, no longer about entertainment, it's being replaced. You know what it's being replaced by? Distraction. It's literally called a culture of distraction. The fastest growing sector of the culture economy is distraction. So instead of film, it's reels. (laughs) Instead of multimedia, it's clickbait. Everything is designed to be scrollable. Everything is designed to get us stuck in this ceaseless activity. The only goal is to keep us clicking and tapping and scrolling. Jesus talks about being choked out by the worries of this age. I think we could faithfully add to that getting choked out just by the distraction of the age. And my point in all of that is that for for so many of us, we don't choose, we hear something. God impresses it on our heart, and we don't choose willful disobedience as much as we choose cheap distraction that just leads to drifting instead of obeying. D.A. Carson said it this way, people do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we've escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we've been liberated the lies we believe and what can happen is we can look in the mirror and look in the mirror and look in the mirror and lie to ourselves. Oh, that was for someone else. Or we can look in the mirror or look in the mirror, look in the mirror and lie to ourselves. Oh, I'll do that later. And after weeks of that, after months of that, after years of that, it's a lifetime where we have only heard, but never obeyed. And so we stayed the same. Lord help us. I guys, I don't want to return again and again and again, always looking, never changing. James says this, that we need to hear. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You know what helps us reject the lie and listen to the truth? When we remember God's heart for us, James calls it the law. He changes his metaphor. He says, instead of looking in the mirror, he talks about looking into the law of liberty. Why does God care that you listen and obey? Do you know why? Because he cares about you being free. That's what liberty means. James is saying there's a kind of fullness in freedom that comes on the other side of obedience. And a lot of voices around us would say liberty is the absence of law. God says his law is liberty. His words are freedom. And part of that, friends, is the freedom. that I think as we talk about obeying, here's where my heart goes. As we talk about obeying, I always think of obeying uh, as simply um, doing in response to God's commands. But the freedom comes from obeying not just God's commands, but obeying the gospel. If I think of obedience, I just think of doing what God says. Obedience is also believing what God declares, And in God's word, he says, there's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought that part of obeying is not just doing what he commands, but believing what he declares about you, that you're loved? Uh, Christian, Jesus died for all of our spiritual deafness. Jesus died for all of our disobedience so that we can follow him as forgiven and free. And the starting place for listening and obeying is listening to what he says about you, listening to how loved you are in his eyes, and then obeying not for that love, but from that love as a person who's forgiven and freed. Let's close with a question. When was the last time you listened and obeyed? It's simple. It's old. When was the last time you listened to God's word and obeyed what he said? Uh, His word says, confess your sins to one another. Have you listened and obeyed and confessed sin? God's word says, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, have you listened and obeyed and forgiven others? God's word says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Have you listened and obeyed and worshiped? God's word says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's word says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you listened and obeyed, and do you believe about you that you are one who is delighted in by God? Here's my prayer. If I think about looking back 20 years, the last few decades, if I think about looking forward 20 years, the next few decades, you know what I hope the next 20 years of life are full of? I hope the next 20 years of my life are full of hearing from God and obeying what he says. I don't need new, I don't need novel, I don't need that near as much as I need the grace to hear and obey what I already know. Father, we love you, we thank you, we need you. Goodness God, you did not bring us here to beat us up, you brought us here to put us back together. And your word is precise. And your word cuts. But it doesn't cut to hurt, it cuts to heal. And so help us make a, the messengers far from the message, O oh God. Help us be a people whose ears are clear of lies, whose ears are clear of quick speech whose ears are clear of fast anger so that we might hear you with a humble heart and obey so that God, we would be a people who, when we go back to the mirror and we go back to the mirror and we go back to the mirror over time, not perfectly, but faithfully, we start to see less and less of who we were and we see more and more of who you're making us. We see more and more of you, Jesus, the image of the invisible god we love you and we thank you so let me pray amen